morning from Agape Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I am definitely not comfortable up in front of a crowd like this talking. I'd rather be playing against Russia or China or any other country in the world. Uh, but I want to say that, uh, you know, the last time I did a speaking engagement, at the end of it, I was waiting at the back of the door, shaking people's hands. As they were leaving, and a, a little boy came up to me, and he gave me a dollar bill. And I asked him what that was for, and he says, well, he says, my dad said that was the poorest speaker that he'd ever heard. <laughs> so so to please, please don't expect a whole lot out of me today. Um, but I've asked, been come asked to give uh, my testimony today. And um, what I hope that you see from this is there's a time in my life where I'm running from God. And then there's a time in my life where whatever he asks me to do, I'm, I'm willing to do such as this today. Um, you know, I was born in Pasadena, Texas, um, eons ago. And, uh, you know, I grew up uh, immediately moving all over the uh, United States. You know, I, I left Texas at age three and moved to, to Colorado. Uh, my dad was an aer aeronautical engineer, and so we moved quite a bit. Uh, my parents got divorced, though, when I was five, and uh, we lived there in Colorado Springs, and she got remarried again to a gentleman uh, just a few years later. Uh, we then again moved at the age of 10. I moved to Arizona and started attending a First Baptist Church of Mesa, Arizona there, and uh, during vacation Bible school one year, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And we attended church regularly for many, many years uh, until we moved back here to Texas. And I attended all of high school uh, in Lockhart, Texas, which is just a little bit uh, um, east of, of Austin, about 30 minutes, 45 minutes east of Austin, uh, where I slowly started to not go to church. Uh, little by little. Um, part of the reason for that was because I was growing up in a house where my stepfather was an alcoholic. And uh, uh, he had gone to several rehabs um, throughout his life, and uh, none of them ever seemed to help him, uh, nor did he really want the help. And... Uh, Long story short, because of his drinking and his smoking, he ended up getting gangrene in one of his legs. And he ended up having to have it amputated. And at that point, the doctor had told him, look, you better slow down on your drinking and your, and your smoking, uh, because if you don't, there's a possibility you'll lose your other leg. And uh, it didn't slow him down a bit. Uh, he continued on drinking and smoking um, to the point where eventually it ended up killing him. Um, he gave up on life. Um, he truly gave up on life. He gave up on my mom, uh, his family, uh, and it ended up killing him. Uh, I knew I wanted to get away from the house at an early age, and so it, when I was in fifth grade, I actually signed up for the military uh, into what was called the Delayed Entry Program, uh, Lockhart didn't have a whole lot of jobs, and I knew I didn't want to go to college, 
And so the one choice I had was the military. And so I did less than a month after, after high school. Um, I graduated and I was gone into the military. And I served in Germany. I was in Germany when the, uh, the wall came down uh, between uh, East and West Berlin. Um, I'd gotten married right out of high school as well and uh, was living over there and ended up having a beautiful baby girl uh, that um, uh, her mother and I shortly thereafter ended up getting a divorce. Through this whole time, we weren't going to church. I never went to church. Um, I was actually running as far and as fast away from God as I possibly could. I uh, got back to the United States, and we ended up getting a divorce. We only were together for a very, very short time. Um, and when, it, when we went through that divorce, I myself started to drink pretty heavily. Um, it's kind of one of those things in the military, that's what you do in the military is you drink. You don't have much to do, and you don't have a lot of money, but what you do is you hang out with your buddies and you drink. And so when after the military, it was just kind of a natural thing for me to do is uh, continue drinking to the point that I was a shop foreman, and at the age of 24, 25, uh, I made a lot of money. Um, but I had nothing to show for it because I drank, I drank every bit of it up. I actually lived in a trailer uh, on my friend's land because I couldn't afford rent. Um, so drinking ended up costing me my family. It ended up costing me my daughter. Uh, it ended up costing me uh, vehicles and everything I had. My buddy and I were actually sitting one night talking about politics uh, while drinking, which is never a good idea. And uh, we had a disagreement. And I got upset, and I was like, oh, I'm going to leave out of here. And I remember grabbing a bag full of clothes and uh, several refreshments to take with me and throwing them in the front seat of my pickup truck. And I remember leaving. Uh, I was up in Oregon at the time. And I remember leaving, and it was snowing outside. It was cold outside. And uh, I remember driving down the roads, and all you could see was just kind of like the, the side of the ditch, but you couldn't see the actual paint on the road. You couldn't see the pavement. And that's what I remember. That's all I can remember uh, until what I thought I woke up the next day. And I was in a, in a parking rest stop, and I looked around, and, and when I woke up, I, there was no snow. And um, I didn't know where I was at. And so I actually physically had to drive down the street until I came to a street sign to figure out where I was and come to find out I was in Wickenburg, Arizona. It's one of the lowest times of my life. Uh, broke and, uh, and an alcoholic myself. And um, my sister happened to live in Phoenix, and I contacted her and said, hey, I just happened to be in Arizona. Do you mind if I come by and hang out for a little while? And a little while I ended up being a month, and then two months, and then three months. 
but uh, shortly after living with her, um, I decided that I wanted to, throughout this whole time up, even up in Oregon, um, I just felt like God was calling me back. I knew if something was empty inside me, and I needed to fill it. And so when I got back to Arizona, um, I ended up going back to the church that I ended up getting baptized in. And the day I went back to that church the very first time, I rededicated my life to Christ. And I promised, I promised that I'd never have another drink again. And that's been since 1996. Um, though I had been a Christian for many years, I was mentally I was still a baby. You know, I didn't know much about Christ. Um, and uh, so I continued going to church there for about three or four years and, and, uh, and still kind of running in my own way until uh, we were having a mission trip in the year 2000. And this mission trip was down to Mexico, and I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> please don't call me down there. I don't speak Spanish, and I don't know what I'm going to do down there. I have no idea. Uh, they were going down to teach vacation Bible school, and I knew I, there was no way I was going to be able to do that. And I, I drug my feet for probably a good couple months until finally I gave in and said, Lord, okay, I'll go. And so I go down there, and we get off the plane, and as soon as we get off the plane, the pastor who picked us up, his truck had caught on fire, electrical fire underneath the dash, and I thought, oh, well, Lord, here we are. This is, this is perfect. This is why you called me down here. I'm a mechanic. And uh, I'm here to fix this guy's truck, to fix this pastor's truck. Little did I know that uh, while I was there that I would end up meeting or seeing uh, this little Hispanic Mexican gal at this church. And uh, that was truly the reason why the Lord had called me down there. Um, I didn't speak English, or I didn't speak Spanish, and she didn't speak any English at all. And uh, I would smile at her, and she'd smile back, but I don't think she really even knew I existed. And uh, I come back home to Mesa, and uh, I would write her, and I wrote her for probably a good month until she finally responded back to me one day. I saw her a total of three times uh, before I married her, and... Uh, we got married in the year in November in 2000, and uh, so it's so nearly almost 18 years ago, and uh, it just shows that you know God has a plan for us. Um, we had been married only six months, and she had gotten pregnant, um, and when she got pregnant, it ended up being a tubal pregnancy, and we lost we lost our baby. And the doctor said, please don't try to have another baby for at least a year until her, you know, her system gets back to normal and everything. And sure enough, uh, six months later, uh, one day after church, November 20th, 2000, 2002, I was out riding a motorcycle. And while I was out riding a motorcycle, I ended up having an injury. And uh, it left me as a T4 paraplegic. So most people believe that or think that when we talk about paraplegic, you think about uh, an injury from the waist down. 
and and the fact of the matter is is depending on where you break your back is where you become a paraplegic. So mine actually starts here. Mine is actually right at chest level. So from chest down, I have no sensation anymore, um, which means I have no balance. Uh, it just causes a lot of issues. But nevertheless, I was in intensive care as a brand new paraplegic. I'd been married for just a year uh, to a wife who still couldn't pronounce my name properly. And, uh, and she was 10 years younger than I. And um, she was living in a country that uh, she couldn't speak to very many people. And, and then on top of that, she didn't know how to drive. Um, there, was <laughs> there was lots of things. And now she has a husband who is a paraplegic. Um, but um, when I was there in intensive care, just a week after my injury, she walks in and she has a pregnancy test showing that she's pregnant. Um, my daughter, who's over here, uh, has been a huge blessing in our lives. So um, God put the perfect woman and the perfect family back together um, when I finally gave in and decided to really truly follow him. Several years go by, and I'm still trying to find my way truly into what God has, in, you know, in store for me. In 2007, I go to what's called the Veteran Wheelchair Games, and it happens to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, I go there to uh, compete in the, the summer games, which are, it's about 600 and something odd veterans that are in wheelchairs go and compete every year. Uh, and my event that I was going to compete in was shot put, discus, and javelin. And I competed, I practiced every day for, I don't know, six, eight months, I don't know what it was. And I go there and I get a bronze medal in all three of them, only because there was three people in my event. <laughs> um, I was horrible. I was truly horrible in this sport, and I knew, <laughs> I knew right away that this was not uh, the sport that I was going to be playing. And on the one of my off days, uh, they had an event called a learn to curl, and I thought curl. So uh, I was glad that they showed this this uh, this film here because here in Texas, when I tell people I curl, they ask you like weightlifting. You curl? No, it's a different kind of curl. And so I have to explain it to them. But I went to this event, and I never knew what curling was. Um, but I went to it, and I had uh, uh, been curling for maybe 30 minutes or so. And one of these coaches came up to me, and he says, hey, he says, you're pretty good at this. He says, how long have you been doing it? And I said, well, about 30 minutes now. <laughs> and he says, oh, he says, i got to get you involved in this. So I go home, and I'm on cloud nine. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be able to compete at a high level in sports again. And uh, this is going to be great. And then I never hear from the guy again. Oh, you got to be kidding me. So I go on, and years go by, and I start doing different sports, try different things to see what's going to be good for me. And I ended up getting into archery. And I shot archery for the U.S. Paralympics for three years. 
and was pretty good at it, actually very well at it. And uh, I thought maybe that would be the sport that would take me to the Olympics. And uh, it was kind of a, you know, a, a dream growing up as a kid back in my days was the Olympics was, boy, that was, that is the best of the best. And uh, so the thought that maybe I could go to the Olympics, uh, boy, that, what a blessing that would have been. And so uh, 2014 comes around, and I'm still shooting archery, but I go to Aspen, Colorado, and I go there to go skiing. And uh, my family's up there, and it's another veterans um, event, and it's, I don't know, it's 400 and something veterans that have all kinds of disabilities from visual impairments to brain injuries to quadriplegic to paraplegic, you name it. We all go out there and we go skiing for a week. And on the day off, uh, they had another Learn to Curl event. And I thought, well, I don't, I wasn't real happy about wanting to go. Um, I'd already done it once and then they didn't respond to me. And my wife says, hey, look, you got to go. You got to go, go enjoy it, have fun. I get on the bus and I get over there and I'm out there for just a few minutes or so and one of the coaches come up to me and says, hey, he says, you're pretty good at this. How long have you been doing it? And I said, well, the last time was seven years ago and it was for about 30 minutes. And he goes, oh, I got to get you involved in this sport. And I just laughed and he said, what are you laughing at? He says, I said, I've heard this spiel before. And he goes, no, 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 I promise we're going to get you involved in this. And so uh, that was in April, and they invited me out in September. They invited me out to a Lake Placid, New York, home of Miracle on the Ice. Uh, for those who know what that is, um, and uh, we went out there on the same ice arena, and and I learned to curl. I uh, learned what some of the game was, and uh, my hope was was to come back and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe be able to play this sport and, and maybe even make it onto the Olympic team and uh, maybe as an alternate or any, any position would have been fine with me. And so I come home and I tell the wife, I say, hey, uh, you know, I know you're from Mexico and your winters consist of 80 degree days, but I have this chance to make this Olympic team. How about let's move to Wisconsin for the winter? And uh, she kind of looked at me a little bit and uh, we... She says, okay, well, let's do it. And so I uh, pulled my daughter out of, out of school, and she says she will do, she's willing to do homeschooling. And uh, we pack up the house, and two weeks later, we were, we were moving to Wisconsin. And I go up to Wisconsin, and we, we cr I attempted to do the sport for the first year and doing pretty well at it. And uh, second, year, second year into it, uh, the coaches said, you know, this guy – He's going to make the team this year. And so I go to the pre-trials, and I do really well at the pre-trials, and I go on to the trials. When I go to the trials, I actually just do mediocre. I do mediocre, and I actually end up placing uh, 12th out of uh, the 14. And uh, uh, several people thought that I was going to quit. Um, Coaches were worried that I was going to pack up and go back to Texas. Um, but I was the first person back into the club on Monday morning after the, after the trials and throwing stones again. 
I knew I had to get better and I needed to be more consistent. And uh, the next year comes around 2015 and I uh, go to the trials and this time I play second. And I make the team and I get to go to Korea for the first time and, and represent the United States uh, at Worlds uh, in Korea. And um, not only do I get to go there as uh, a team member, but I'm going there to play what's called the vice skip. And the vice skip is the third person in line that throws stones. And each person that goes on all the way up to the skip position uh, the becomes a little bit more important. And we do pretty well. Um, we come back the next year, and, uh, and this time I make the Olympic team. And uh, this time I not only make the Olympic team, but I'm actually going to be the captain of the team. And so in a four short four-year period, I went from hoping to make the team to actually now being the captain, the skip of the team, who's actually going to call the strategy for the game and throw the last stones, the most important stones of the game. <coughs> we came up short this year. We came up pretty short. Um, we played every game literally to the last stone. And um, for whatever reason, they just didn't go our way at the Olympics. We play these teams throughout the year, every year. And we beat them all. Every time we beat them all. This year it just didn't happen. But uh, this game has taken me from Scotland to... Uh, Switzerland to Slovakia to Austria to Finland to Korea three times to all over Canada all over the United States been all over in a period of four years and um, I've been blessed by it really have been blessed by it but even though we fell short at the Olympics um, you know I got home to my, my home church last weekend. And when I got to my church, they actually, uh, they presented me, they presented me with my gold medal. The gold medal wasn't for the games. The medal on the back of it says, um, for my commitment to the love of our country and the love of our lo uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the fact of the matter is, is there's a, a gentleman on my team. His name is Steve Imps. Steve's, a, Steve's an atheist. And I've been working on him for four years. He's not a Christian yet. Yet. But I work on him all the time and through the middle of all of our games when we were struggling I was blessed to be able to give a a, um, a message to the team in Job Job 1 where Job loses everything and I actually uh, surprised by everybody because I came in and I shaved my head that morning at the barber shop and I came in and I was completely bald uh and the team accepted the message and 
Steve himself, um, he and I have had several conversations about it since. Steve's going to accept the Lord. He doesn't know it yet, but Steve's going to accept the Lord. I'm working on him. The fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter what medals we win down here. The medal that I want is that crown that we sang about here a little while ago. And I wanted to hear my Lord and Savior say one day that, good, you know, good job, my, my good and faithful servant. I love this game of curling, and I don't know if I'm going to get to do it here this next four years. Um, but if it's not, if it's not the Lord's will, then it, it won't be mine. I'm going to follow Christ until, until the end, until he calls me home. Um, I have actually become the missions director for Agape Baptist Church, and I'm excited for that chapter to happen to see where it takes us next. But um, I just keep pray that that you would just continue to pray for us and my family and for me. You know, it doesn't matter. You you can see my physical injury. The fact of the matter is, we all have an injury. Every one of us has something that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And you either get to, you either get to follow Christ and, and, and follow him, or you can run the other way. I just pray that somehow through this message that you can, that you can um, just pick up your cross and follow him. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for today, and I thank you for all the things that you do in our lives. Father, I just pray that this, somehow that this message can be received to somebody here, Father, who is struggling, or maybe Father who doesn't know you. Father, I just uh, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to come to this church. I thank you for all the opportunities, Father, that you placed before me, Father, and I just pray that I continue to be obedient to you. Father, we love you, and we thank you so very much for all the blessings that you give us. And Father, we just pray that you just go with us throughout this, this day and every day this week, Father. We just pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.